1: Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Daniel Markin, and today I'm joined by Angie Velasquez Thornton. Angie, how are you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Uh, This is going to be a fun episode, um, simply because we are talking about online dating. Now, I know this is a Young Adults podcast, and I know anytime there's anything related to dating, uh, young adults show up. I know this from Young Adult Ministry And I know this from even stuff at church when there's like relationship sermons. But I think the reason for that, Angie, is because it's such a difficult thing to navigate, the the dating world. And so I'm excited that we're going to be talking about this new aspect, in some ways a completely brand new aspect of uh, online dating. So before we begin, though, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you came from, uh, what your day-to-day looks like?
0: Sure. Well, I am from California originally and I am uh, of Colombian descent, and uh, I was a missionary with my husband and kids in Senegal, West Africa, for 10 years. And then due to some health challenges in our family, the Lord led us to move to Montreal, uh, Quebec, Canada, where we continue to serve with CrossWorld, that's the name of our mission, and we continue to serve in the same area, which is theological education. So my husband and I both have seminary degrees, and we love teaching the Bible and training leaders and so that's what we were involved in then. And that's what we continue to do now.
1: Awesome. So Senegal, back to Montreal, I can hear like two different cultural shifts here. One, because you go from California to Africa, which would be completely different, right? In Senegal. But then what was that shift like going back to not California, but to Montreal? Where is, is does everyone there speak French? I'm, I'm not too, I hear, I hear mixed things that Quebec City is more French than Montreal.
0: Yes. So the majority of people around us are bilingual, and there are pockets of unilingual, only speaking French and only speaking English, but it is a very bilingual city. We adjusted well to life here. Uh, We had already lived in Quebec because in order to go to Senegal, which is a French-speaking country, um, my husband needed to go to language school. I already spoke French since I had taken it in high school, and I had done um, some overseas work in French-speaking countries. So we had already dipped our toes into culture and life in Quebec.
1: I love that. Angie, let me just open the conversation like this. I believe that my generation in particular has, uh, being a millennial, has an interesting perspective on the world right now because so much of what we do exists online. So for someone like yourself, as you look at my generation, what are some of the, the questions and concerns that you have regarding uh, how we are to approach dating?
0: hmm Well, what I often tell people, young people, when I talk about how I met my husband is, yeah, we met online, but internet dating is not for the undiscerning. So I'm not at all Mm -hmm. suggesting that millennials aren't discerning, but I'm suggesting that this is an occasion, an opportunity to uh, really exercise those muscles by dating in community, by um, having accountability, by bringing disembodied voice into real life with your friends, your parents, uh, your church. So it's really important that uh, when it comes to internet dating, that uh, young people consider that there are a lot of predators out there and that it's important to be wise in who you let into your life.
1: Mm -hmm. And how did you meet your husband?
0: So just a little background. When I was 18 years old, I was on a missions trip in Africa, in Senegal actually, and there I prayed a prayer to commit my life to serve God overseas in Africa as a missionary, if that was God's will. And, uh, I went to secular university. I went to UCLA after that. And when I finished my BA, my parents gave me their encouragement to continue my secular studies. And so I went on to get an MA at UCLA in African studies, all with the idea of being a better prepared missionary. But after I finally finished grad school at UCLA, my parents encouraged me or gave me their blessing at any rate to go to mm-hmm. seminary. And that's when I moved to Chicago while I was there, I pursued an MDiv and when I graduated, 10 years had elapsed since I had been in Senegal and I had never met a single guy with the same theological convictions and the same calling to work in Senegal and I specifically wanted to be involved in theological education but I didn't want to be uh, on my own training pastors as a woman because especially in an African culture it's kind of unusual for women to be training men exclusively. If you do that in partnership with a husband, it's a different story but I just was uncomfortable with that idea of going off on my own. And so I really felt just, I struggled to know what the Mm -hmm. Lord had for me when I hadn't met someone yet. So I took a chance. I went on a Christian single site and I won't even mention it because it wasn't a good one, but uh, I met my husband there. And when we started talking, I found out that not only was he preparing to be a missionary in Africa, because that's all his profile said about his occupation, but he was specifically committed to serve in Senegal and not just no in any way. kind of history, but yeah, specifically in theological education. So within a year, wow. we'll married and uh, the rest uh, is history. It's been 15 and a half wonderful years.
1: That's amazing. So, okay, so both of us have this, this online dating, uh, you know, experience because I'm coming up on a one-year anniversary with my wife and we met on an online dating, but, you know, things have obviously changed. We met on Bumble. Which is a dating app where um, it's it's kind of like Tinder, which is notoriously known as a hookup app. But Bumble, for whatever reason, I think was kind of viewed, at least in our Christian circles, as like a more wholesome way to do it. And so, and and the women, the the women are the one who's the ones who uh, message first. So if you have a match, the woman messages first. Anyways, my wife appeared on there, and uh, I liked what I saw. And I was like, oh, and then I read her bio and it said Christian, right? And, and that was a big thing where I was like, okay. And, and she saw that, I guess, on me. Um, but the, the cool thing about it is you could actually kind of narrow it down in that sense, but based on religion. And so, but her bio said, I think that uh, girls messaging first is dumb. She's like, shoot me a message on Instagram. So I did that and I, I had a nicely well-formed message you know, I, I, like, kind of went through her as much, like, information I could gather from her. And I, I made this perfect message, you know, well laid out. Yes. Let's go get tacos and coffee and get to know each other, right? Made some, like, inside jokes. And they all, I get three-word response. Are you a Christian? Or four words. You're, you a Christian? <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, I just crafted this amazing thing. But those are ex- the exact words I wanted to hear. All that to say... um what you, you're mentioning something about discernment. And that's an interesting piece because um, what my perspective on the online dating scene is it's effectively advertising. And here's what I mean. It's like you are able to spread your reach. If if you're engaging on online dating, you're spreading your reach to people that you would never meet um, otherwise. And so that's why I think it's a really unique thing. Elise and I probably wouldn't have met Um, although we found out afterwards we had all these mutual friends, but the chances of meeting were way harder. However, once we, um, did connect, um, we still had to discern and and work through that together like you would in any relationship. So I think online dating serves as an interesting way to meet someone on the front end, but then, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I would really encourage people to not, Keep it online, but try and make that as short as possible and try and uh, get, like, you know, in one another's proximity, whatever that looks like, right? Like, go on a date as quickly as possible because I think you actually get to know somebody way better, even with chemistry, when it's in person. Would you agree?
0: Absolutely. In fact, when uh, my husband and I began communicating, we emailed and spoke over the phone for a little bit less than a month, and then he flew from Toronto to come see me for the first time. And it was an expensive date and I had to find him lodging cause he wasn't crashing in my place. And yeah. so one of my buddies, a guy friend hosted him and uh, he spent two days uh, because he, he wanted to feel it out first. So he didn't want to stay a, a much longer in case it didn't work out. But it was long enough for us to recognize that there was potential there. So um, I definitely encourage people to meet as soon as possible and to meet one another's family and friends as soon as possible as well. If someone goes to the trouble of buying an airplane ticket or, you know, driving a, a significant distance to see you, for the, to meet you for the first time, it's important, to, I believe, that they meet as many of the people that know you as possible so that they can see who you really are. because. People can be disingenuous when they're alone and they're isolated, but the way that I treat my friends is not going to change just because he's there, or at least not as much. And the way when I went to visit him in rural Ontario and I met his parents and I stayed with them for a few days and I saw how he treated his mom, his dad, his brother, that showed me a lot more about him than if I had just continued to isolate myself with him, which we avoided.
1: Definitely. And you bring up something amazing too, which is this idea of community, which is one of the strongest things about being a Christian is you get brought into this new community. And I think that with that, there is accountability. And the the, the, the more accountable you can be to your friends and your family, I think the better it will go for you uh, in a dating uh, experience in regards to... Um, just different temptations that can happen. One with the temptation just spend completely isolate. Like I think we all have those friends and we make fun of them who like they just disappear. You never see them again. Granted, we can, you know, when you're in a relationship, you, you are going to spend more time with that person because that's, that's where your priority is. But there are those who completely disappear and they cut off from all community. And I think that's super dangerous.
0: Absolutely. I agree.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, being together in community is huge and part of that discernment, but you're right. Like I-, I heard one guy describe it. He said, I want to see what it was like to serve with this prospective girl. And so one of their first dates was like serving, a, I think it was like a soup kitchen. And, uh, so they got to have this kind of interaction and, and see how they were to strangers, how they were to kind of people they just met, etc. cetera. And, uh, that was a real, um, a unique thing that I kind of remember, and then try to bring that into uh, my dating relationship. So, yeah, that's another thing that I just always recommend, and and you had completely mentioned this as well, is once you're then together, ask hard questions. Now, when do you recommend asking these hard questions? Like, when's too soon in a relationship? Or when is it too late to start asking these hard questions? And... You know, if you could tell us, Angie, what are these hard questions?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I think that you can't assume that everyone's going to be honest, but you can tell even by the reaction to one of those kind of, ooh, that, that question makes me uncomfortable. You can tell, unless the person's really good at lying, you can tell where they're at. So in our day and age, I think it's important to ask one another, do you struggle with pornography? Um, do you have an online gambling problem? Do you have a substance abuse problem, et cetera? These kind of questions can make people uncomfortable, but if you're willing to open up to one another, then you can move forward together potentially, or you can um, know where you stand and end it before it goes too far.
1: Definitely. Well, and I think another question to ask too is, and again, this takes discernment and sensitivity, but describe your previous sexual involvement with other relationships, right? Like uh, statistics will show that just because you're a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't sleeping around. In fact, a lot of stats will show that young young adult Christians have a similar uh, sexual um, lifestyle, right, a- as non-Christians. So I think it's important to ask that. At the same time, though, it's important to acknowledge that everyone has a past, but that the Lord can really take over someone's life later on, um, in their life. and, And that is their past. Right. And so one of the things that we definitely need to work through is, is that exact thing and understanding that, Hey, look, no one is perfect. And I, and I think it can become dangerous if we start to, um, hold over people that we are more righteous than them in our past. Whereas like yeah, maybe one person had a, a real struggle with pornography, but the other one is a chronic liar, right? And so you're right. I think having these really difficult discussions um, is, uh, is so essential.
0: I think that being in community is part of what will help you move forward in uh, dealing with whatever challenges you might face, whether it's a past uh, issue where you just struggle with the shame of the lifestyle choices that you made, or whether it's an ongoing difficulty an addiction or so forth the brothers and sisters the church the pastor the parents that are involved in your relationship are a good indication of who that person is already looking to to help them with those vices
1: you're right and and you can use the family and your friends to discern you know the person like yeah that's that's who they are now but what's their trajectory right like who's the person they're becoming? Because that's also something that I think um, if you can see those steps, you see growth, you see all sorts of things, right? And but I think patience comes with that. And so all that to say, it's like dating is is challenging. I think dating world's difficult, but I think it's really difficult because it's it's it it fillets you in the sense that like you are you have to completely open yourself up to to not only like the other person, but also your own uh, kind of brokenness, right? And, and your own difficulties and frustrations, because those get like pointed out to you. And so it means that you have to, to really work on those. So what mistakes do you see young people making now as they're dating, as you talk with people and and you, you mentor younger people?
0: Well, specifically when it comes to online dating, one thing that, I mean, I haven't been on an online site for 15 plus years, but I'm, told, like you mentioned, that some sites are designed for hookups. And so I think that Christians really need to consider the means that they use, the the median, because Mm -hmm. it matters. So when I mentioned before that I met on a Christian single site that wasn't that great, it wasn't because it was only about hookups. It just didn't have a lot of um, clarity as to how they functioned and to help have some screening. But one thing that I did like about it is that the, the profile questions were very um, detailed. So you didn't just see a picture of a good-looking girl or of a good-looking guy and say, well, that's enough for me. I wanna, I wanna meet this person. But there was a lot of ways to get to know more about that person. So I think that people should know what they want ahead of time. And it really helped me that uh, when I was in seminary, just after I graduated, I worked on campus. And one of my colleagues was an older married man With a lot of wisdom and he told me that i should prepare ahead of time before meeting my husband dan in person he said you need to come up with a very detailed list of what you're looking for because if you don't know what you want he's going to meet every criteria because you don't have any to begin with um so he told me that i should have a list of three things things that i must have in a potential suitor things that I would like, to, like I want to have, and things that are likes, that are preferences, that would be cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then he said that, it, to even be even more precise, on each of those lists, so on the first page, on, on the musts, he said you should mm-hmm. have three columns. One is for the item itself, next is for the reason why that's important to you, and finally, uh, the third column is a scenario in which you could see that happening. So for example, he said, let's say you wanna know if the person is generous. You don't ask them, so are you generous? Because you'll see that, you know, it'll be difficult for the person to say anything, but well, of course I'm generous. You know, of course I'm humble or etc. Yeah. but uh, observe them. And, you know, without, you know, testing them constantly, just try to be in scenarios. Like you said, with your friend who went to the soup kitchen together, um, try to create natural circumstances where you see them and their character in action. And, the other thing I would mention is that on, under the musts, it's important that those n- not be shallow things. You know, like it doesn't matter how much the person weighs or how tall they are or, or how hot they are. What matters is that are they serious about their faith? Because when your uh, now wife asked you if you were a Christian, the fact that she asked that and nothing else, it just showed her character. It showed that. This crafted email that you sent her might have been interesting, but it didn't matter if you weren't not just a Christian, but serious about your faith, because maybe you mentioned it in your profile, but it could have been lost in between all the other answers that you gave. But when she asked about your faith, it's because she wanted to know just how serious is this guy about his faith? Tell me about your faith. And then I want to hear about which deep dish pizza restaurant in Chicago is your favorite. You know what I mean?
1: Totally. And the answer to that is Giordano's uh, <laughs> for anyone listening. Getting off topic about pizza and now I'm hungry. Uh, you're so right though. And I think I, I, I like the listing. thing. My, I was encouraged to do the same thing. But we also can't with that let the cart get ahead of the horse. because imagine if you had some musts in your, in your must column, right? He must be this. He must be this. He must be this. But say like if a person meets – four out of five of them, but one of them isn't, well, I don't think that person's a very strong Christian, right? I think you have to be very uh, careful in that until you can actually discern more because it might, like you said, on the surface, look like they're meeting all these criteria. And even if they're meeting some of these really good criteria, um, time, you're going to need some time to actually really discern and, and sort that out.
0: Definitely. And I honestly believe that the must list will be the shortest because you yes. need to defend that with scripture. This isn't just a uh, superficial things. Like I said, it, it's things that go to the heart of who this person is. And the secondary things should go on the wants list, you know, like, well, I wanted my husband to be very like-minded with me theologically, because as a trained theologian, I wanted to make sure that we weren't teaching different uh, views on uh, a number of issues that Bible teachers teach, you know? So those things were very important to me, but, you know, for someone else, their wants would be different, but there, it, it is important to distinguish between the musts, which should be based on scripture, and the wants, which might be vocational, might be strong preferences, and things like that
1: yeah and you want unity in those things. and I, I think what you're saying too, like especially with you going into to ministry there, to have your marriage partner be on a completely different theological stance as you is always going to be, that would always be a challenge, yeah. you mentioned kind of everything being built on scripture, and I think when we we come to dating, we have to ask the why and what why? Do we date? What's the purpose of dating? Because we don't see any like how-to manuals in the Bible. Like it's not a textbook for dating. It gives us uh, the real why. And so as you look at scripture, what would you say is the why?
0: That's a great question. I think that if you believe that the Lord is calling you to build a family with someone, that you believe that he has not given you the gift of singleness. And if you want to pursue glorifying Christ in all that you do for his kingdom advancement with a life partner, then pursue online dating as a means to finding the person um, that God would lead you to. Uh, But, you know, if you don't know if marriage is something that you desire, then there is no real reason for dating because dating Mm -hmm. is not something that we do casually or that we do just for fun. We can do that with all kinds of friends, but because um, dating involves uh, an element of of affection and of commitment that is moving you somewhere, Um, if you don't have a desire to be married and to commit for life, then don't waste someone's time.
1: (laughs) Definitely. I know. And that was kind of the, I kept telling Elise that too, as we were discerning stuff, I'd be like, look, I don't want to waste your time and I don't want to waste my time. And I I probably said that all the time because that's kind of how I felt about it. But I think what you're saying there is right on this idea that as, as believers, and I this I love this illustration, but you're running your race of faith, right? And you're running towards the Lord. And I think as we are designed, part of the creation design that we see in Genesis is uh, God makes us male and female and gives us desire to be with one another. Adam and Eve get married, and, and they actually now run together in this race, right? And so Adam and Eve are this model, and this is the design of God, is that the two become one flesh, that they run together and they pursue the Lord together and that this design is a good thing. It's a biblical thing. And so all that to say, what we're doing is we're we're living in the Lord's design. And, and like you touched on, uh, for people who are single, it might mean that that's not part of your story yet. Or if you have the gift of singleness, it opens up a lot of different avenues. It might not mean the depth of relationship, but it means you have access to a lot more breadth of relationship, which is also an amazing, beautiful thing that some people are called to and they can really serve the kingdom well. But in alignment with what you just said, the why is you wanna pursue the Lord together and you both use your gifts to serve him and live out the design and be fruitful and, and multiply and you know, follow what the Lord has for us in that. But yeah, I, I, I like that perspective that you just shared. Would you add anything else to that?
0: No, I think that's
1: pretty much what I had in mind. Mm -hmm. So as we come in for a landing here, one of the things that I I just want to encourage our listeners with is that it's tough. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be stretching to you and in, in kind of some of the ways that we discussed, but everything in life that is good is worth fighting for. And, and we see that marriage is something that is good. And so It's worth working through your own sin. It's worth working through the sin of your prospective marriage partner as you guys both pursue the Lord together and head towards this uh, amazing union with one another, but also with Christ. And I would just add on to this too. I had a lot of friends, you know, um, and, and get married around the same time. And some, some people would say, oh, it's so challenging. It's so difficult, you know, and, uh, but coming up on one year of marriage, one of the things that Elisa and I were encouraged by some of our other friends, and and now we want to just kind of pass on to our listeners is it is so much fun, uh, being being married. Is it you really sense that this is part of God's design? And so, uh, what would you add to that, Angie?
0: Definitely. Uh, you know, I got married in my thirties, so I had a very long singleness years. I had very long singleness years. And at times I was discouraged and I wondered if the Lord was calling me to singleness and, uh, I was content and I was serving the Lord and I was traveling my, um, Summers were usually spent overseas and uh, doing ministry. And, and I, looking back, I'm thankful for those years. So to anyone single who's listening to us, don't be discouraged if the Lord hasn't yet brought the right person into your life and um, just continue to pursue him and to be faithful to him and invest yourself into the relationships that you do have with the people around you because... Uh, My best friend and I, we lived together for six years when I was at UCLA and when I was at Moody. Um, She had happened to go to grad school in Chicago as well after she graduated from UCLA. So we were together for a long time and those were some of the best years of my life. Not as good as being married for me. I mean, like I love my husband, but I look back on my single years with so much gratitude that the Lord gave me a best friend like Grace, that he gave me um, a church community and Close friends to grow alongside of, so don't feel like you're just uh, sitting around waiting for God to uh, give you the desire of your heart. But let Him be the desire of your heart and enjoy the friendships and the opportunities to serve Him that are all around you. Because if you're not content single, you won't be content married. And if you're lonely when you have friends and family around you, then your husband won't or your or your wife won't be able to fill that void either so just uh, delight in Christ that's what I would conclude with
1: 100% Angie thank you for your time thank you for being a part of this episode and uh, you know we're just I feel like we're brushing the surface but it's I think your perspective is really helpful and it'll be helpful for everyone as they're again looking at relationships but wanting to do this in a godly way so again thank you
0: thank you for having me it was my pleasure to be here
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of In Doubt. It was a great discussion that we had with Angie velasquez Thornton. And if you want to find more writing or anything that she has done, you can find that on crossworld.org. And there's some blogs there and things that you can connect with her further. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week.
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hi, Ben Lowell, CEO of Back to the Bible Canada's In Doubt. If you listen to today's program, you're either a young person looking to understand how the Bible speaks to current issues of life, faith and culture, or you're someone passionate to see young people grow in their walk with Jesus and understand the Bible. We want to thank you for being with us and encourage you to touch base by emailing info at or in the US info at indoubt.com. Also we want to let you know that Indoubt is a ministry that only exists through the support of donors. So every gift of any amount means so much. For more information, visit indoubt.ca or in the US,
1: indoubt.com.